France has fallen. Protests sweep across the nation after a teenage boy was shot dead by police. The killing sparking outrage across the country. And there's been this tension for, for many years between the police and um, has to be said particularly the North African community um, and less so sort of Central African um, immigrants living in France. Um, now, they, of course, will say that in the banlieues that it's um, police racism, police brutality. Um, I think there is probably an element of racism among a minority of police officers, uh, and I stress minority. Broadly speaking, they do a very good job in very difficult circumstances. Uh, and you know, another factor uh, is, is that there is the, the French for 20 years, or certainly some commentators, have described these inner cities as the lost territories of France. But this is where a parallel society has grown up, dominated either by Islamists or um, uh, drug lords. And, and they control these areas. And they don't like the police going in there. The police are a symbol of the Republic. And and so this is, uh, you know, more of a factor than, than any police brutality. The police are trying to do their job they're not allowed to do their job. And there's a lawlessness uh, that, has, that has grown up, uh, particularly in Paris, but in other cities too, Toulouse in the south, Lyon in the east. Um, so it's a, you know, it's a, it's a very serious and grave crisis that's facing President Macron. Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. I'm Eduardo Varga with co-host teacher, teacher and socialist Andy Lipson, excuse me. <laughs> and writing teacher Jessica is not here with us today. Uh, she is out and we hope to have her back again. We are online at whatsleftpodcast.com. You can find that link to our site in the episode notes. Uh, you can also find their personal social media handles as at Don Eduardo Abarca and on Instagram and Jess's Twitter handle as jhomie89. Please subscribe, rate, view, uh, turn on your notifications and share your favorite episode wherever you found this episode. Thank you. What a morning. Sorry, everyone. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> yeah, we uh, normally record on Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening and post on Saturday, which is, but I was in Columbia, Missouri, visiting my family. So Eduardo was kind enough to delay recording till Friday. Then Eduardo got busy on Friday, and I was kind enough to delay recording till Saturday morning. <laughs> so here we are, Saturday morning. Saturday morning. Good morning. <laughs> Which I think people can see the difference when it's a different because of the sun comes in two different ways for me. So they're different lights. Yeah, um, you might, that's you for might. yours if anyone pays attention, but I don't think anyone does. Right. All right, let's do this uh, topic for today's discussion. We will be discussing France. Their the riots on the street, the all of the uh, uh, protests that are happening in France. Uh, I'm glad, Andy, you've wanted to do to, wanted to do this discussion. Uh, I'm a bit slow this morning, so forgive me. I also have a lot of feelings around this topic, as I was trying to express to you over the phone as I was making my tea, and you didn't want me to have that discussion with you on the phone. As always, Andrew Lipson, Dr. Lipson, wants to have these conversations. Online, recorded, get me cancelled, get me. <laughs> Let's do it then. Uh, France, 
Uh, oh, hey, Eduardo, do you want me yeah. to try to do a little summary of me to describe and then you to fill in from there? Or would you like to? I mean, you can. Go ahead. Why don't you? Why don't you tell us? I think you're going to be doing a lot of talking in the beginning. So maybe I, maybe I can give a little bit so I can give you a boost, a boost start and you can tell me what I get wrong. It would be very helpful, actually. That way I can just let go of what the timeline and chronological order of things. Okay. But I can just give my thoughts instead. All right. Thank you. Um, so why don't I start with some of the just basic details that I know. Um, in late June, I don't know the exact date. I think it's like June 27th, June 20th. The 30th. Of, uh, uh, the 27th of June. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Mm -hmm. No, that's fine. Um, a uh, Nahal Mazurk, a 17-year-old um, French person um, of, I guess, of Algerian and Moroccan descent, um, was shot and killed by the, the French police. Um, and the initial story that came, now there was anger around that, but the initial story that came out around that by the French police and the French state was uh, this guy, you know, we tried to stop him. He wouldn't stop. He was actually driving his car towards us and um, we had to shoot him to defend ourselves. Um, and so this, so Nahal was charged posthumously with, you know, uh, reckless drive or, you know, uh, doing some stuff like breaking um, traffic laws and then also a voluntary homicide, a voluntary manslaughter or something like that, possibly trying to kill a police officer. Um, and then later video came out that completely showed that that entire story was a lie. Um, that basically had the cops on the side of the car. Um, we don't exactly know what happened, but they were, no one was in front of a car. The car was stopped. They were at the, at the side window messing with uh, Nahal and, there were two other people inside the car. One person was arrested. The other person apparently got away. Uh, I don't know who that person was. Um, but in the F, so at some point during that thing, Nahal, well, it's either Nahal drove off or one story has it that actually the cops um, like were messing with him. So his foot got off the brake or maybe even shot him, had shot him already. So his foot went off the brake, but either way, the idea was that Nahal was driving away, whether intentionally or unintentionally, and they shot him in the process of doing that. Um, and the there was anger brewing already around another. This was the third murder done by a police officer in France this year. Um, and there have been a number of them over the last several years. Um, and so the anger was already there. And once once it was revealed that what the state had said about this was a complete lie. What the cops had said about this was a complete lie. I think things really erupted. Um, and, uh, you know, um, then you, people have probably have seen this, the scenes of fires everywhere and things like that. Um, and it went, it started in non, non How do you pronounce the one province? non mm -hmm. But then went on to other regions as well of, of Paris. Um, and most in, in what are, in regions that are, I think, called Bonlus, mm -hmm. Bonlus, which are like projects, suburban projects, like high rise, but very poor areas, um, uh, and um, with, where a lot of the a lot of immigrants are housed, and a lot of the poor are housed, um, and a lot of young people are housed, um, and so uh, there, these fires were raging. And all I can say is that while the discussion about these fires has been like. And I think it's true. Small businesses, things like that have been targeted. The major target of most of the of this riot and rebellion have been police stations, 
um, have been municipal buildings, basically city buildings, like a mayor's house was attacked. Um, and also a prison was actually the prison gates of one place were actually set on fire as towards a, a sort of a protest again, again, these are largely protests against the repressive and racist actions of the state. Um, that, and I do agree, or I do believe that there are other people who are getting caught or other, other things are getting burned, but by and large, this isn't, in my opinion, this isn't a right, uh, at least the anger around it is rightfully directed and shown towards the French state, um, which is racist, which protects only the rich and protects only the capitalists of France, as well as protects the capitalists of the United States if they need to. Um, and so I, well, I want to talk about this because I also think it comes in the in only months after a massive pension revolt took place that was also put down. Um, and I want to say that the this rebellion has gone on for about eight days and has been now largely put down. Um, there was up to forty five thousand cops were in the streets per day for a while, um, and and um, thousands of arrests, um, and uh, you know. I guess there's other things, things like Snapchat and TikTok have been censured so that the people can't put post um, some uh, post things that are happening during this rebellion. Um, and um, and there's other stuff. But uh, I'll, I'll start there and just say those are some of the basics. And I really wanted to talk, see what you thought about it. And I knew you'd have some interesting things to say about it, both as France being your kind of almost a home for you, a second home for you, but also <laughs> this is an area that you've often wanted to talk about both politically um, because you feel it is such an important area of potential struggle. Um, so I, I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Uh, yeah. For me, if this was, um, I, I, as I, as I um, was listening to you, I'm going just to fill in a few little things yeah. here and there, you know, it's like, you know, just, like in 2017, Macron had promised that he would have sweeping reforms to aid the banlieue, the suburbs of France. And the northern, those northern suburbs, Nanterre, Oulin-sur-Bois, those are the kind of places that have been, um, uh, for the longest time, for the past 20 years, uh, has seen an increase of demographical changes in, 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 in France. You know, a lot of people who I, I remember going to being in Idaho and people would say things like, oh, France is very white. Uh, well, I don't know because it's very, a lot of immigrants. There are a lot of Northern Africans and a lot of Arabs. And 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 uh, it's, the, it's slowly even changing after 2015 with the rise of more immigrants coming. Um, so back to Macron, he, he had promised that he would have those reforms to aid uh, those suburbs. That quickly watered down. He he had watered down the package, and and um, and in the last six years, little has changed. Uh, the other thing I just wanted to add was that uh, those protests have really divided the country. Because as I was speaking to uh, some friends that I had been hosted, some friends um, from years ago that I had stayed with, uh, you know the the issue around. Uh, around the officer and what he was doing and it's 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 reached an inflection point but there's also this piece where i think it's largely ignored in the media there there is funding going to 1.5 million euros that are are uh being gathered to help this to support the police officer 
So it, clearly the country is divided, you know, mm -hmm. and and I and I have seen Macron's position change from, oh, this is uh, the police's fault. And then suddenly the police reacting to this and then suddenly saying, oh, it's this is the parents fault and or social media or uh, video games. Suddenly it's needing to change that uh, who's placing the blame on who. So I've just seen those changes. Um, and and also the changes in the in the people who are protesting because it's interesting in France it you have what what I guess we would say right wingers for the yellow vest movement and then you have left leftists rising and then you have right it it keeps going it just keeps moving but they are all kind of together but then they're not together and and then it it you have for example if we just go back even in the timeline if you have just the protests in 2019 when I was there and way before that, the Yellow Vest movement, we covered here on in what's left. And then the protests that happened against COVID, which united the left and the right over there in France, because largely all of the country out of all the countries in the Europe in Europe, France was the with the most with the most hesitancy and resistance to the COVID jab and any lockdowns. And then you have the pension reform, as you mentioned, and then now this. So it's like you have these changing left and right uh uh, um, political uh, uh, spectrum of differences. Uh, so that that's all I was going to add to that. Uh, as I told you over the phone, I just I've realized a few things. There are some reflections I've had uh, after speaking to two friends. One of them I can mention their name, Alex, a dear friend of mine. Maybe we'll do an interview with her if she is. I don't know. We'll see. I sometimes feel very um, insecure about my French with her because she speaks very fast. And she has, she's a documentary uh, filmmaker. And it's in the context of this Master 2 that I've realized my first long-metrage documentary, which is called Mujahidat, on the engagement of women in the Liberation of Algeria, au sein du FLN à LN. She, I met her at the 20, uh, 20, uh, 2019 protests when uh, there were reforms being made to um, to to uh, the unions, and there were transport was being stopped, and and the metro did not work, and we were all walking in in France. I was there. I, I don't know if I covered France from there, but I I remember just talking to you, and I remember being there for some time, and 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 loving joining the protests there, and then suddenly COVID happened, and I had to return in January, uh, but there in two thousand twenty. Yeah, 2020 is when I returned. But there are uh, different things that I'm hearing from different French folk. And as the, as I was thinking, you know, this is being compared to Black Lives Matter. Uh, and whereas... Or, or George George Floyd and things like that. Right. George Floyd. Yes. And I, I'm not sure how much people know... But this is the you know like in 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 um in the USA you have uh, a lot of statistics of, around race and in France you're not you know, there's not a lot of um uh, political statistics on like how do you measure what's happening in other parts because pretty much everyone is a French citizen they're considered French citizens and that's one way of not allowing people to discriminate. Uh, but of course, there's always happening stuff in those suburbs, and I, um, I, 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 I have uh, 
the way that I see it is, is I sometimes feel maybe as I was telling you on the phone, being going to school here in the USA and raised in this country, sometimes I, I wonder where the identity politics started for me as a person of color, you know, being a brown person. And I realized some of it may have started, a lot of it actually, <laughs> that's some of it, in high school, at John O'Connell High School, where you have a sort of context about how you understand the world. And in SF, especially with liberal politics, then you're like taught about how black and brown people are being um, shot and also marginalized. And I get that, everything, uh, there's a lot of stuff that I agree with, but when I'm in France, there's a different, being Mexican, I have a different experience. I don't feel, and I have said this, I think before, I, I don't feel that level of scrutiny or racism that I've seen in the USA towards me, even with my, my accent immediately gives me away as being someone that's not Arab or not, Af, not Af, um, Afro-French. And that experience has also shaped the way that I see it. And I can listen to, I can be in other areas and listen to uh, French people who live in rural areas or small towns. And I'm told stuff that I don't think they would share with other people. Like, you know, I remember being with my host family and they clearly told me, they said, you know, they, they do fear that the French people are going to disappear because there's so many immigrants and they're having so many more children than the French. Um, notoriously, French don't have a lot of children. They have one or two, very limited. And and that is something that I I I remember thinking about, like, oh, right, they're, they're slowly the demographics are changing. But then I have Alex and my other friend Nicolas say, you know, well, that's that's just the nature of anything. Migration changes people's color, people's people's like you're just going to have those changes. We're all not. What are we? We're originally all, you know, come from different places. We're not going to stick to the same. You know, we we're going to change. We're all a mix of blood anyhow. So uh, it's not a threat to other French. But uh, the way the French life is changing is uh, a threat to others. And, uh, and I, I do see those changes since I've been an adolescent uh, going to France. And then now in my 30s, being in France, completely different after 2015, especially. I was there in, as in 2004. Right, I think yeah, 2004, yeah, and then going back in 2015. Uh, well, not like I, I've been on and off going back and forth, but 2015 is so pivotal because that's when all of these uh, boat uh, of immigrants were being uh, documented in the news, and a high rise of Syrians coming into Europe, and I and I think that that's when I saw whoa, the restaurants and chains and 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 the metro being uh, different, and just so many more people, and the French feeling resentful, but staying quiet about it. They don't want to be labeled racist. They're seen as very uh, welcoming, but a lot of them had whispers of "This is too much. How much can we bear having more people come? We can't save everyone, and they're changing the way of the French life." And uh, those were difficult conversations to hear. And so 
and you know, this, this is coming up for me as I'm thinking about this. And when I stayed in the Le Soubois, I stayed in a suburb that was in a high rise building. I remember at the top, I, I would be staying. I'd have to, it wasn't a very safe place, but I had to run the stairs down because the lift would not work. <laughs> so there were a lot of things that I would see sketchy things on the way down <laughs> from the stairs. And, uh, and I was, different there and and i remember the police stopped me once um and said what are you doing here why are you here and I, they thought i was coming there to buy drugs to do to to get something from there when i when i'm not from there they clearly saw that i was not from there and uh, i was afraid um and i'll just say one more thing uh when, when i was in those suburbs i realized that those suburbs are largely controlled or managed by the people of those reach of of northern african regions they don't really allow or they don't they have a very strong dislike for allowing people to come into those uh suburbs so for example when we would go to uh what i would consider to be like a flea market which was an open air market uh they were run by everyone that was immigrant everyone who is kind of very chaotic the way that's run it reminded me of being in Mexico, where you have these uh, street uh, shop, well, street uh, booths, and people just sold things chaotically, and and uh, and police presence is very disliked. So entering these spaces, that yes, some, sometimes gangs are are run, and I will say, even the membership of those gangs have exploded during COVID, with school closures and lockdowns, meant that youngsters went without support and into the life of gangs. Uh, you see that in Marseille and in Paris, especially during school holidays that have turned into blood-deading seasons as teenagers turn to violence. Sometimes, um, I mean, th th everything has backfired since COVID, right? We have seen even the rise of tremendous psychological impact here in the USA as well in with school closures and everything that we're dealing with the aftermath of the lockdowns. So I would blame that largely to government. I wouldn't say that so much because of people. That's because, you know, you have teenagers and they you don't have places to go kids don't you know sometimes um in this capitalist world parents are constantly working trying to figure out a way to make a living and you have adolescents out on the street running around and uh, and, and and you have gangs that suddenly taking advantage of those of that uh but these suburbs that are run sometimes collectively sometimes not in the best way um are are a place of where, they, where people would say that this is festering. Uh, and Unai Subba, where I stayed, that was one of those places. And I stayed with someone who was of Arab descent, descent, descent and another person who was of African descent, of, of uh, Southern, well, Western African descent. And it was a very interesting experience for me to be there. Uh, back to this, uh, politically, uh, well, I mean, what amazes me, and maybe maybe some people might see the 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 connection i certainly do is from yellow vest movement to 2023 these protests and what people have bought into macron's uh because uh some people on the left might see macron as being the alternative to le pen and who is le pen who is the the right winger uh in the USA, I guess I would just say like Trump woman of France, right? Like just to give people sort of uh, an understanding. And 
uh, the rise of protests and then suddenly the shivering down of it and then rise of it. It's like these waves and the, and the dislike for Macron and the hatred both on the left and the right. But he keeps being elected by his middle class and mostly elite class uh, as the alternative to Le Pen. And, uh, and yet, I think sometimes the left falls into a trap. Although, as I said to you on the on the phone, there is a, a, a voting in 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 the suburbs of of Paris is not very high. So it's obviously not that they don't fall. The immigrant population does not fall into this trap. But a lot of people do. They think of the better of two evils. Sometimes this is even though there are many different parties there that you can vote for. The dominating those two dominating figures, Macron and Le Pen, are the ones who are seen as to run electoral politics there and a lot of leftists will just run to Macron as the alternative to Le Pen right uh what I think we can learn from oh before we go there I don't know if you want to say anything um to anything I have said yeah I mean first off not just first off state repression is not a U.S. thing it's a capitalist thing so it, mm-hmm. and it's a result of the fact that capitalism represents the dictatorship of the bourgeoisie globally, and we we experience it through our own state. Uh, we have illusions in the United States, and apparently the French have the same illusions that they live under a democracy, but you don't. You live under a tyranny. You live under a dictatorship, um, and that democracy goes away the minute you challenge it. Um, and it is interesting that you raised. There's a number of things I want to say. There's that you raised the idea that. The, the French French society, the French working class in many ways is being divided again to, you know, one side who, who may celebrate this rebellion and, and be and, and see it as justified, another side saying, these are these these Muslims, these northern Africans are not they they haven't accepted French society, they haven't accepted French norms, they haven't accepted French democracy. And you know, and the state has to do something to, t- to, um, and we've tried to give these people money. They won't, they, they don't have to do with it. And so, you know, now we have to, if we're not, if they're not going to ex- accept carrots, then apparently they're going to have to take some sticks. Um, so that, that kind of division that we, that we, where the issue of immigration is being used and, and us is being used very, very successfully, I would say to divide workers in, in France, just as it is being used currently to divide workers in the United States. Because as people know, as we enter this election, the issue of immigration has keeps coming up um, as a talking point, seemingly to divide Democrats and Republicans, but it's not. It's just to divide workers. Um, and it's to use racism to separate us. Um, because the notion that the French state is there to help French workers is an illusion. The French state is an existence of tyranny to actually enforce rule over workers, exploit workers, and then use whatever exploitation that surplus value extract for them to grab more resources abroad. It, by and by and, and does the French act as an empire? Yes, in fact, is it acted as an empire in Algeria and northern Africa, and it acted even in Syria. So the French, the French Empire even though it wasn't the major player in that region, in Libya, in Syria, and even in Tunisia, we certainly know that as part of the West, they have supported imperial invasions of the countries that have destroyed those countries and therefore led to, again, a, a migrations that then people say, oh, hey, we can't accept all these people. Well, don't destroy their country then. How about that? How about stop doing that? You know, um, so the the notion that the the 
I think there's a lot of illusions that people have both in this country and, 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 and that from the left to the right, that somehow there's something unique about the United States and it's racism. It's nothing unique. Mm. It's, it's, it's replicated across the globe. If you go to Japan, you better not be a Korean. You know, maybe a black person isn't going to face the music in Japan, but if you're Korean, you're, you're going to be treated like a second class citizen. So racism is a, is an aspect. It's, it's a, it's a part of capitalism and it's used to divide workers. And that's no different in France than it is whether, whether a person experiences or not, because Eduardo, I haven't experienced racism in terms of being white in this country, but I certainly can see evidence of its existence. When I look at our prison system, when I look at how divided the societies are, when I look at the actual living circumstances of many of the students I teach. Like, are they there because of their abilities? No, they're there because of something systemic taking place in our society. And it's a similar thing with these Bonlus. And interestingly enough, the very freedom movement that I would have said that rejected passports as a means of getting into Starbucks or getting a job suddenly embraces the idea of passports as it relates to to um, not suddenly, but for embracing the idea of passports as it relates to maintaining national boundaries, and and that doesn't help us. That that just like passports internally are a control mechanism for the capitalists, passports national passport systems are control mechanisms of the capitalist class that we have to reject completely. Um, and 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 if we don't reject them, that will be used against us. And it's interesting to me that. These Bonlus have been described as places that seem to be autonomous. Like that's when I was reading some of this. Like, and they and sometimes they talk about it in terms of gangs, which really, if you want to come down to it, gangs are just self-organized people. I'm not saying it's the self-organization of the working class, but that's what gangs are. Those are they are organizations that the state doesn't have control of. And and I would contend that the biggest reasons gangs are a threat has nothing to do with crime, has nothing to do with selling drugs or giving drugs. It's because they're independent of the state. And the state wants to have the right to come in and control everything. Um, and and so it's not just the 10% gang population that's a threat in these Bonlus. It's the fact that actually they are often run as pseudo-separate entities, a situation that freedom people across the globe should actually celebrate because we are actually trying to reproduce that exact same thing. Like, what we are attempting to do here in the United States, when we talk about trying to solve some of the problems, we talk about what is it? Uh, exit and build, right? Mm -hmm. And what is what are these things in Bonlus other than people who they haven't quite exited, but they have built and they've built something independent. Um, and I think for that reason, it's a threat to the state. Um, and so I'm not surprised that the state is coming in and one using this issue to the state was very threatened by a whole by the pension problem the pension reform movement just only months ago well now they've pulled off an interesting trick in the context of this rebellion they've gotten a section of those people who hated macron a second ago now asking for macron to come in and and use the state to crack down on them so again the, these are all antithetical to what I would say are the values, the values of the freedom movement, not the rebellion, but the state crackdown against the rebellion. And, and it takes and I would include that that's the state crackdown as not just being TikTok and Snapchat being censured. But you mentioned the one point three million that's being raised for that police officer. Well, guess what? That money is being taken off, like is being um, taken off, like uh, apparently just like when um, we did the give, send, go thing for the Canadian truckers. They're doing the same thing to the people who are trying to raise money for that police officer. The state is coming in and saying, no, you can't put money to that. Right. Um, and 
to me, again, that's a very, those are all, those are the dangerous things. The dangerous thing to me is not, is not uh, whether they lit police cars on fire. And I don't celebrate the idea that there's collateral damage and there will be collateral damage. And I guess I'll put it in terms of this way. If when this happened with this guy within the hall, if nothing had happened, would I have celebrated that? No. If a police shot in the hall wrongly and then they completely nothing happened, I would not have celebrated that. If police, once police shot in the hall, if there were just like protests on Saturday and Sunday and people were marching in a line and just like saying, we don't agree with this, would I have celebrated that compared to what I see here? No, I actually think what, what I see here, what I celebrate in what's taking place here is the fact that it's what is shown is the desire for people for something else and the, and the willingness of people to take on the state in order to possibly get something else, in order to make a, a different world possible for themselves. What is sad is that these very same things that took place now in 2023 are an exact replica of what took place in 2005 in France, when there was there was a killing, there were police killings in the, I think it's in the Bonlous again, and exactly the same thing. Between 2005 and 2023, there has not been any political organization of the working class to allow a more, to take the, the fire of this, of the desire for change and turn it into something that could actually threaten the police, the, the French state. Because the French state is going to take advantage of this. They're going to take advantage of the fact that people do, like, are, uh, you know, there is anti-immigrant sentiment in, in France. There is nationalism in France. And I'm not talking about Le Pen. I'm talking about liberals. I'm talking about leftists. There are leftists who supported the, the hijab ban in France. Because that wasn't, you know, because that was like backwards. So, like, there are... And I'm, so I'm not making a left-right distinction. I'm making a revolution versus reform distinction. And I'm going to say this. I believe there are very, 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 very few revolutionaries in Russia, just like there are very, I mean, in, in France, just like there are very, very, very few revolutionaries in the United States. There's no more revolutionaries in France than there are in the United States, because most people at this point find themselves wringing their hands and getting upset about what got burned, rather than saying, why the fuck have we not been able to organize the working class to take the fire that these immigrants are showing that we need to have in our own hearts for taking down the system and replacing it with something else? How have we not in the 20 years since the last time France burned, not gotten any better at making that burning happen more productive, more, more productively? Why is it the same old unproductive burning that only shows us the anger, but doesn't show us the instinct for actually changing society um, and instead is going to be utilized to again pit people against each other and Macron can kind of survive by saying, oh, you, you didn't like me around the pension form reform? Well, give me state power to smash on Tic Tac, smash, smash on Snapchat, smash on immigrants. Let me actually start to collect data on immigrants and collect data on people of color and surveil them in the ways that they are doing in the United States and, and justify that. Like, oh, we'll call it a census, but really what it is is data collection. So I think the, the, the state is getting over again and, and like I said, the house always wins, apparently. And that, to me, is what is sad about this moment um, and what is tragic about it. Um, I don't think it's tragic. I certainly don't think it's tragic that municipal buildings are being burned or that police cars are being burned. I think it's unfortunate that because there's no organized expression for this anger to take place, that there is collateral damage that will then be used to, to, to smear immigrants and to smear these 
young people who are fighting back against the system, essentially. Um, even if they don't see it that way, that's what I see it as. Um, but this fight back will not be able to challenge the system because it has no political coherence and it has not de developed that political co coherence from 2005 to 2023. To me, that's the biggest tragedy. Uh, but that's not just a problem in France. That is a problem globally. Um, yeah. except maybe, maybe I could say India. India, it seemed, had more coherent movement of the farmers movement, taking on capital and things like that, even if itself, that also got pushed aside as well. Yeah, a few things I'd like to glad you I let you speak because then I have thoughts that come up for me. Uh well one, you're right about data collection. And only to what, like in many other suburbs, there's now free connectivity to the internet. That is data collection. A lot you have to you have so many people there who are like I said, those are those are mostly uh low income and um people who normally just cannot afford living in Paris, but mostly immigrants and high data collection because free internet access. You can connect there and they have set up so much wireless connection, connective, internet connectivity there, which I would yeah, love to see an Addison McDowell sort of investigation in, into that, what it, how much of it's been um, tracked. And around these societies, like these parallel societies, these are what are considered as the lost territories of France because they are being run by what people would say in the news lawlessness or um, Islamists or drug lords or, um, uh, you know, anarchists. There's anarchy in these on, on, in these suburbs, um, which are being developed as alongside elite French societies. You have clearly Paris, who is, which is a very rich, rich, rich city. And then you have around <laughs> Paris, all these very poor areas. And and, uh, and 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 I hope you see, and I think you see, Eduardo, the contradiction for people who say they're in the freedom movement, supporting the state coming down and cracking down on that kind of self organization, right? You yeah. see the contradiction there, right? Like it's it's complete hypocrisy, and it's well, it's hypocrisy, and it's tragic that people do not see the very same people who have this instinct for building their own thing and who see the the right of people to be armed in doing so suddenly can't see it when it's in it with a Muslim face. Right. 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 I mean, yes, I, I, I do see. Yes. I think what, well, obviously we have filters in the way that we see. Yes. I, I see that. I, not like I'm defending or anything. I don't want it to come off that way, but yeah, the no, no. question remains for some of the people who are out on the streets protesting. One of the things that they say is, oh, uh, so I was speaking uh, to Alex and a friend, and and they say, you know, one thing we're going to have to learn to do together to be able to organize in a more effective way is we're going to have to really, because there there are, like I said, so many. There's a diverse set of people that are on the streets. So the Yellow Vest movement, mostly by rural and and uh, working class French folk not of any like not of recent immigrant descent if I just to say it that way because I think we're kind of all have different descents but like of recent immigrant descent they they just do not like the immigrants and they're out on the streets and and then there are the people who are on the left who are very revolutionary as they would say 
but their struggle with working with immigrants is like the the way that women are being treated uh, in this uh, on the streets. So it's the social norms of knowing how to work together because of differences in culture and learning how to work out those differences because that's how this is there there are these divisions. You know, the women on the streets want to support Nael and all of their family and everyone like Alex who has gone to Palestine but the struggle around the way that cultural that they're being treated as well as women or people who are uh, gay, for example, are, and viewed differently because of Muslim traditions, these things are, we're going to have to con like contend with the differences as working class folk and how to work together. And also inviting some of those people on the right, you know? I mean, the French would say that they've always been difficult to integrate, as you mentioned. And, uh, and, and, but 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 that that is something that as we have learned here and knowing how to build something with people, we're gonna have to figure out a way to work together. So first off, um, I love this word integration because that's not what our if anybody who thought they were a leftist thought this was about integration, and all that is is racism with a big word covered under a big word because what we're talking about is collaboration. We're talking about working together. And we're talking about, yeah, cross-cultural, cross-gender, cross-sexual orientation, collaboration. And when, I, I don't want to talk about the right-wingers. I want to talk about these leftists. I want to talk about these leftists who say, I would love to work with these people, but I'm, these, they're, they're sexism. I don't know if I can do, deal with it. Look look what Max, uh, Max um, what's his name from... Uh, from our struggle in the, in in Thacker Pass, Max Wilbert. Yeah, right? Max mm -hmm. Wilbert is working with people who think women might not have the right to vote. He's working with them to help them because they're united in trying to save that land for different reasons. That that person who's doing that might not think the women have the right to vote. Might not even think the Fourth Industrial Revolution is such a bad thing. But maybe like, no, I'm, I don't want this land taken away because I use it, you know, I don't want it to be taken by the state. Max has, an, has a completely different reason for en engaging that struggle. But his starting point is I'm going to join you in that struggle and I'm, I'm going to join you in a struggle against state intervention and corporate intervention. That's the starting point for the left here. The starting point for the left needs to be I'm not going to let the state come in and strangle you. All right. Then you can talk to people about sexism. But first you get in and you say, I'm not going to let the state, because much mischief has happened when we, when the left has accepted like, well, these Taliban, these Taliban, uh, they, they're sexist. So maybe the U.S. has to come in or our, has to come in and, and, and impose a democracy so women can be better running or women can have better lives in Afghanistan. That's a complete illusion, right? A complete illusion. Sexism is I'm going to say it. Sexism is a global capitalist problem and is just as pronounced. It takes a different aspect, takes different forms, is just as pronounced in the United States as it is in France, as it is in Afghanistan, as it is anywhere. It finds itself a different expression, but women are going to find themselves in a worse situation everywhere across the globe in some way, shape or form, because sexism is a tool of capitalism, just like racism is a tool of capitalism, even if it, even if its aspect, even if who experiences the racism or how sexism is experienced is different. And so that illusion that so-called leftists like to have that, well, 
uh, we're less sexist, so you got to figure your sexism thing out before I can kind of figure out working with you. That is just another bullshit division point. Without that, without them, and without them saying it, they're basically saying I trust the French state more than I trust my Algerian or Moroccan brothers and sisters. Sorry, that has that has zero revolutionary content, and all it had it's 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 leftist content under that like over it is leftist content, but hidden underneath it is a deep conservative worker divide ideology. Um, and so I can't help that people can't see through their own bullshit. But that's why I want to talk about the left, not the conservatives. It's unfortunate that the conservatives also fall for the same trap that most of the left falls for. But it's a tragedy that when you go from left to right, everyone's falling for this trap. And we're getting for falling for it again, because people are have a psychological discomfort of hearing about Muslims, people with Islam, uh, lighting shit on fire because they've already they already bought the the racist bullshit around the war on terror that said that Muslims and is and people in Islam are more violent, right? When the, when those people's countries have been destroyed through generations of 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 you of U.S. British Western imperialism, and that largely their response is to that violence, and it's and it's and at, to what extent we see violence from them is completely in response to the violence been imposed on them. And we and, and our job has always been to just do one thing, take out our own government, take out our own state in the face of that. Do not let our state run roughshod over the globe and don't let it run roughshod over people in this country, whether it be George Floyd or immigrants or, uh, you know, workers in the SCIU and the hotel union who are getting screwed here in San Francisco, you know, like and, and they're and they're basically dividing Asian immigrants versus uh, Latino immigrants by shipping in undocumented Asia, uh, Latino workers to push out a, uh, a Asian workers who work there. It's like, look, this is age old tricks the capitalists use and they, they do it. It works. The tragedy is we keep falling for it. And the, the, the one side that was supposed to expose this so-called left itself has absolutely no understanding of it, in my opinion. And and yet they 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 praise themselves for being for women, for being for gays, for being for transgenders, and yet they're for nothing. They're for nothing other than maintaining the capitalist state. That's it. And, and I would say yeah, the, the no, and I would say the difference between the Black Lives Matter uh, movement and then the French is, I will the 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 stark difference is that BLM has been co opted and has been taken over by politicians and it's not in France this isn't some movement that is there are over like 200 mayors that just went over and met with Macron and they were like you need to declare a state of emergency this isn't something that is being by the left or right being accepted and so the difference is in BLM you'll hear even Nancy Pelosi supporting it or Hillary Clinton or something like that right and they'll start co-opting this and talk about well how we need more representation and more identity politics more uh people people of color in office this is the kind of conversation that leads from BLM which is my criticism with it right whereas in France though with this they're not speaking about more politicians in office I, I wanted to just before I forget, Andy, there is a film called La Haine, which is the hate. And it, it really shows if anyone wants to sort of give it, get an understanding of what's, what it's like. It follows a story of three friends in the suburbs in Paris, outside of Paris. And it gives 
just the view of what it's like out there in these uh, growing up uh, of immigrant descent and of, of Northern African uh, and Arab descent. And uh, I just wanted to put it out there if I forget. Um, and they're not at all uh, wanting, they don't see it as, 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 a, as a way out. Will liberal leftists think similar? I think not. They're on the streets, but for a different party. And so that's where I think that's the trap for other people joining these protests. It's like they're there, but they're showing up. And even when the call for these people, uh, mayors are saying, let's do an, a counter protest before more peaceful. And that's when I saw that that is like uh, trying to manage co damage control, this whole situation. And suddenly you have liberals out on the streets saying, yes, we support uh Nael and his family, but let's call for a more peaceful uh, protest and uh, and supporting uh, alternative parties uh, other than uh, uh, Le Pen or Macron, which is the difference in, in, in the way that these young folk and the people of Arab descent are protesting from the more liberal uh, protests that are calling for peace. And even trying to have Nael's grandmother uh, I think under duress, really, because she's she didn't say anything about this in the beginning until recently. She's like, okay, okay, let's let's have peace, let's let's do this. But I can see how the pressure on her, because this is her grandchild, uh, to say something like that and to call for uh, peace didn't didn't work. Uh, but but she being used as a pawn by uh, officials and stuff like the mayors that I mentioned going up and calling for emergency state, which is basically what the government is going to be doing if this continues. Uh, I don't know uh, uh, what the sentiment is uh, at, in, at this moment, if they're going to continue or if it's going to shimmer down. I hope not. I hope something comes out of this, as always. As you were mentioning, though, that we have a big working class, uh, demonst uh, or not demonstration, a big working class uh, uniting front issue. And that's the issue that we're facing globally. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if some remnant stays even just to continue the discussion and and make some guerrilla forces. I've always would like to see something happening like that in Western societies or more Northern Hemisphere uh, countries, because even though, you know, I have my criticisms around Zapatista movement, at least they're right there with the little emblem of, of flame trying to keep something or hopefully something will spark something there. Um, but I hardly see something like that happening in the USA or in France where you have a small guerrilla force like that. Yeah, for me... Largely, too, to gun control, too. I don't think you'll have some guerrilla force when you have a society where there's a lot of gun control. And France right. is very well known for the gun control. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to sit here also and... Like, I do think that, first of all, there's been a political stance. As much as I celebrate this rebellion, I mean, and I do, and I think it's... It, it should warm people's hearts that there is this much anger out there that's prepared to tear down the existing system. The tragedy is there doesn't, it, there isn't the level of, of organization to actually replace it with something that's better um, and, mm -hmm. and to resist politically and resist organizationally the, the way the state will come in when this thing, you know, as this thing moves um, to, to pick, tear it apart and divide and conquer it. Um, so, that, that that situation has not developed any better from 2005 to 2023. And so I do believe that there will be a co-optation of this. 
It will, Arab lives matter will come. Islamic lives matter. There's going to be a version of that that's going to co-opt a section of the, the anger among those, among those, and some, and there's going to be some, um, Moroccan per young person or Algerian young person who's going to be swept up into the political apparatus, a left political apparatus, and used as a representation tool to say we're helping these people, and we're, we're but we're using the powers of the state to do so when that's the opposite. So things don't things never just stand still. If you are not figuring out how to defeat your opponents, then you are being defeated, and that's what's happening right now. Like the fact that this rebellion was tapped down in eight days the fact that the state itself has already secured for itself so much so many new platforms for repression not just incurring not just including the tiktok and the snapchat but i think the fact that they were able to freeze the the freeze the assets or freeze the um not assets freeze the money that's being raised for that police officer that's a big step forward for the french state because they did it on the right and so oh we did it on the right and now and i'm sure the left is celebrating that and the left is an idiot because they're going to have that that same state's going to come back on them and use that against them if they ever do anything independent. Um, so the reality is, is that these moments are moments when people in the yellow vest movement could have figured out, could have joined with these, with, with this rebellion and figured out, okay, how do I be a part of this? How do I work with this? Because we are no, we are no more happy with this system than they are, but yet we have different, we have different experience of it and maybe different beefs with different sides, but it's the same system. Now, because people don't see it that way, that kind of unity is not going to happen just of its own. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's going to have to happen. Um, and it's certainly not going to happen by somebody saying, well, until you figure out this talking point or this talking point, or you become better on uh, gay, gay rights or women's rights, then I'm not sure I can deal with you. That's a dead, that's never going to work. Um, it's going to have to be like, I believe that Max is onto something when he understands, well, in working with people who have different ideas, this is how we're going to have to, this is going to be part of how we're going to work through our different ideas. Is It's, it's going to start from me saying, I'm with you on your cause and I want to help you with it and I, because it's the same cause as I have. So that's where the left is going to have to learn something. And I don't even want to talk about the left. That's where the revolutionary movement is going to come. Because I'm, I'm sick of the left. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, okay, Andy, I'm not sure if you want to find a way to conclude. Should we find a way to conclude? Um, well, you had, I'll say this. You, you had some questions for yourself and for maybe me in the phone conversation before we started this that I didn't want to, that I didn't want to, I didn't want to like just have on the phone because I wanted you to bring up some of those things here. Um, what are your questions? I don't well, know. If I'm... <laughs> I guess what I would say is, in in light of that, um, what has this conversation meant for you in terms of uh, framing it, orienting it? What has been important for you in this? Um, and what what questions that I don't think still exist for you that you're like you're mulling about? I'm not sure where you when you when you did that sort of class action suit I think you did with a police officer. Do you remember that? How you how readily you were able to do something like that. I'm not sure how readily you were able to do it. So just just to use that as an example, a comparison. 
And being Mexican, I, I have felt very different in France, as I told you, from how I feel in the USA. I have experienced racism in USA. Like, in I remember even on the What's Left episode, I shared you to you what happened to me in Northern Florida, up in the more red red part of the country, and you know, I I and I also have been in I've 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 stayed in Idaho. I've stayed in in Boston area of Massachusetts and visited other areas of New Hampshire and have experienced differences from outside of the cities that are no, normally considered more liberal, progressive places. Cities are always tend to be more diverse. And, but when you go outside of it, sometimes I tell people, uh, you know, you have people see the USA is pretty diverse everywhere. It's a large country. And so I have Sometimes I don't walk through, I don't walk through the world in the USA feeling like, oh, everyone's being racist towards me. I don't feel that way. People make more of an issue of race, I think, more than I do. You know, I, when people, when I'm in, when I was in college, I didn't really talk about me being Mexican. People talked, asked me what, you know, they want to know. And that's always the experience here. But when I was in, in the, in France, and that's how I sometimes, maybe it's because I've, I read a lot of, a lot of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of black authors who would discuss going to France as a safe haven. And you sometimes get this idea that French society is a more uh, colorblind society, which isn't, of course, it isn't. But uh, unlike the USA, which has these ingrained Jim Crow laws from the past and the impact, the historical impact of the past, very different. And you have, you know, you have artists leaving to France, I could see why, you know, because it does feel very different as a person of color there. And especially being Mexican, you don't like Frida Kahlo went there and, and Mexicans are celebrated differently than they are celebrated here in the USA. I think I've just become like part of a now, like this is the California was a part of Mexico. So obviously there's a lot of Mexicans here. It's just we're on the border and I'm just another I think another part of Mexican society here sometimes it feels culture. It's part of it's very ingrained. You know, you have burritos, you have you have a lot of Mexican food. Mexican food's number one top loved in the USA. But in France, it's it's a different phenomenon. I experience it differently. So uh my reservation sometimes, or I'm not going back to your experience with the class action lawsuit here, in working with others, I do see some hesitancy sometimes when we went out to the capital and you all left in Kenya and I stayed. It got a little bit chaotic and there were a lot of booths talking about voting for Trump and the sentiment. And I had spoken to Trump supporters in the past. I, I, my friend is one of a very Trump supporter himself. But the rhetoric or the conversation that I would hear sometimes, even at the Capitol in Sacramento, gave me sometimes gave me a little pause and and that's something I have to contend with. I'm not so sure if they'll be looking out for me as I'll be looking up for them. And so when I hear the hesitancy from friends in in Paris, they feel that as well. It's a little hesitancy, especially the women. 
who are joining the protests and who feel sometimes unsafe because sometimes when they enter these spaces, so many of these spaces are mostly men out on the streets and the women there tend to be French, not of Arab descent. And not to say that there aren't any Arab women out there, there clearly are, but the, but the, 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 mostly who are out in the streets. So you see this contrast and I can hear the hesitancy from my friends say, I just hope that when I'm out there, they know that I'm on their team too. You know, like we're on the, in this together. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of how I have felt here, you know, with people from the freedom movement, you know, and people from people who are Trump supporters. So that comes up for me a little bit. I understand that sexism is manifested in so many other areas of society, of course, and racism as well. Um, When we work together, though, me as a person of color, someone who is not heteronormative or who is not heterosexual, I, I, how much are you willing to look out for me? I feel that with you, Andy, you're a white person, but I don't, as you one time said, like I, I feel we have each other's back. I'm not so sure if the people I've met who are Trump supporters, who I would love to have their back, will have my back. Mm -hmm. I hope they do. I hope they see it in them that Trump is not their savior. Clearly Biden isn't as well. And that our savior is us. Us. We're we're like, we're the people who have to save ourselves, right? That we have to come together. And maybe they idealize a Trump and the rhetoric might push them to like, we're working up to this, up to here, but you're not fitting with the eugenics model that I'm being taught in these other rallies or whatever, (laughs) you know, or even just these parallel societies that have become more and more conservative and these suburbs of Paris uh, you know it's sometimes hard sometimes I, I was talking to one French woman she's like it's hard for me to walk through there I don't have a hijab I don't wear one and I don't follow and I dress the way I do and and they'll probably accept me being the way that I am because I'm a French woman and they know that I'm not going to adhere to their traditions but I know the Arab friends that I have who are women cannot just walk by me like that. And so these are sometimes these hesitancies. So the constant conversation I think we need to have now moving away from the criticism of, of voting and not depending on the state to save us is amongst us as working class folk, we have to be united in in this and we have to have those difficult discussions ourselves you know so and 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 also being mexican i i i more western i realize stark differences we're more western thought and i i see myself more with french than i do as mexican than i do with Arabs, if that makes any sense, because mm-hmm. 
in Mexico, we don't wear hijabs. We don't, we're not as, like, obviously, clearly, there's sexism in the USA and in Mexico, of course. But the level of religious dogma and, 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 and imposition is very stark. And so I, 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 I have seen myself sometimes fall into this trap when I'm, when I'm with in a rural part of, like I've stayed in Southern Nantes, which is a, in a small rural village called Mushal. And I was the only Mexican and I didn't have any issue. I didn't have any problems there. And I stayed with a whole family and I could see myself falling almost into a trap where I, I did feel aligned with them in some aspect because we shared, we share very similar values as Mexican society and French culture. So we share the values of freedom and, and women uh, not being controlled by, by any religious tradition in that way. So I can see myself falling into that. I, I can clearly see it. And so the the issue of integration, as you were discussing it, is uh is one we tread around very lightly, very carefully, not lightly, carefully, I meant to say. Uh and that's not something I feel when I'm in the USA. I don't talk about things like that. Whereas I would in France, how do we then deal with wanting revolution? staying united but also not fall into traps of integration which tend to divide us so this is a, a reflection as i have as i'm concluding here <laughs> um, well i think the one of the one of the ways i think you gave expression to what i think it will need to feel like if we're if we're if we're making headway on building a collective struggle is that thing where you said, I believe I have your back, but I don't know if you have mine. And I mm -hmm. think that is the feeling people are going to have over and over and over again. And the answer to that is going to have to be yes. Or, and people are going to have to, but the only way people will get that answer of yes is not because I tell you I have my, your back, but there's something I'm going to have to do that shows you that. And I might have to do it more than once. And so I think that was what was most helpful for me in listening in this last part is I think you expressed at the base level what people, what these different communities are going to have to, what's going to partially divide them because they, they get a sense, I'm prepared to come and help you, but would you do the same for me if I was in the same? Because unless the, these communities do feel exactly that same way, like I'm helping you because I know you'd help me. That well, that's going to be the important barometer of knowing we've made some headway on on um, on building an active collect an actual an actual collective collaborative struggle, rather than something that says here's the checklist of things you need to believe in order to come in and be part of our group. Mm -hmm. So, I think that was helpful for me to hear you sp speak of it that way, and I. And I also think that the thing you said of like I I noticed when you said I noticed myself falling for that trap. We will all need to be doing that kind of internal self-reflection because we all fall for it. There are so many traps laid for us ideologically under capitalism that, of course, we fall into them. That's where every one of us just has to look and say, wait, does this make sense? Because it seems like these people are just kind of running their own society, and yet the state is coming in on them. 
I, I'm not like that. This new or this self-run society is not one I'm comfortable with, but I see the state coming in on it. Which side are you going to take? If you find yourself taking the side of the state, then you better think twice. You better recognize you've fallen for a trap and try to get yourself out of it because the, the, that capitalist state and capitalist corporations, they're side by side in making this world the hell that it is. And unless we do yeah. something about it, I don't, I think, you know, you know, World War Three and all that. And I see the very beloved, but obviously tricked host family I stayed with do that. They, they, they will secretly share things with me that they cannot feel they can share in public, but yeah. they will vote to Macron, you know? Yeah. Or many of those, that very, same small village will vote for someone like Le Pen. Yeah. You know, so it's putting your, your trust in one or the other, which isn't going to help you in any other way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It will have to take some difficulties and having to come into terms with like ourselves. Yes. Yes. And our own um, uh, fears that have been bred into us either from the government or from some experience. Sometimes that's from experience. We're going to have to, we're going to have to overcome that. Mm -hmm. Wonder with who's out there. Um, T Moore, Tom Moore would say, because, you know, I think that there are some differences in the way he thinks that this happens also in Germany. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, he's, Clearly on the left. You know? Left, like, right? You could say, well, we need to build the left. And I'm, I don't think we need to build the left. <laughs> All right, let's conclude. Well, this was a good conversation. Yeah. You were on fire today, Andy, this morning. Uh <laughs> <laughs> you, Saturday morning time. Let's burn it together. <laughs> <laughs> but productively, like, I mean, it really yeah. is sad that 2005 and 2023 look yeah. so, like, so similar. There's nothing, nothing's been accomplished in that time. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> well, that does it for this week's episode. What's Left is a weekly political podcast slash channel challenging the mainstream left. We post information about our topics and our guests in the episode notes. Wherever you found this episode or on our blog at whatsleftpodcast.com, you can find past episodes to this podcast slash channel there slash channel there and connect with us i remind folks if you fancy anything you have heard please subscribe rate view turn on your turn on your notifications to any of our platforms on spotify itunes podcast Stitcher, google play bitshoot others at youtube rumble or telegram <clears throat> you can find our blog in any of those links in the episode notes wherever you found this episode uh if you would like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover contact us through our blog I'm Eduardo Barca with co-hosts Andy Lipson, and we'll have Jessica on next week. Uh, you can find our social media media handles as at Don Eduardo Barca and at DeptyKE for Kenny uh, on Instagram and Jess's Twitter handle as at jhomie89. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Andy, for this conversation. And we'll check you out next time. Ciao. Bye-bye.